Hey daydreamer, I see you. I'm totally a dreamer too. I'm also a patent lawyer and pretty much obsessed with new ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship. So, dreamer, if you've got a new business idea or side hustle dream that you just can't shake, or if your mind is bursting with too many ideas to count, then welcome home because you are in the right place. This is Startup Hard Up, a cozy podcast home for the everyday entrepreneur. In each episode of this podcast, I'll be candidly sharing my own personal experiences as I transform my passion project into a business in real time. Since I also happen to be a corporate lawyer, I'll sprinkle in some key business and legal learnings as they've applied to my own new business in the hopes that some of my experiences will enlighten and empower you on your business journey as well. Cool, cool, cool? Cool. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of Start Up Heart Up, and I'm your host, Kay Gruner. I'm sitting here with another mug of nice warm coffee, and I'm cozy as can be on a beautiful Saturday morning. So today I want to talk about really how to validate your new business idea, and the specific topic about validating is building a product prototype and testing it with actual customers and then taking their feedback and incorporating it. Spoiler alert. Those are the main steps that you have to take in order to validate your business. I'm going to go into more detail to each of them, but first I want to give you a little bit of background on myself and also why this why this topic occurred to me to be such an important one. So if you're an entrepreneur or what I would call a future entrepreneur and you're starting, you're considering starting a new business around a new product. I want you to know that this applies to not just physical products like as seen on TV, but also digital, service-based. You may be wanting to open a new coffee shop or a restaurant or offer a service. Any combination of that, for the purposes of this episode and really any time that I'm talking about this stuff, a product can be any of those things. It does not have to be physical. My first question for you is this, how do you know that your customers or potential customers are going to actually buy your product? If you haven't thought through this quite yet, then please listen on because I'm going to give you some techniques to validate your idea before you overinvest in the wrong direction. So I want to give a little quote from Bill Gates to set the scene here. And what he said very simply, your most unhappy customers are your greatest source of learning. That is some stellar advice from Bill. As an entrepreneur, you might be excited about the ideas in your head, but you've got to listen to your customers and adapt to their feedback. The biggest mistake you can make, in my opinion, as an entrepreneur is to fall in love with your first idea or really your first iteration of your big business idea and then refuse to change it later. You really need to take this feedback to heart and let go. Let go of the pieces of your idea that aren't going to actually lead to a commercially viable product. What is the point of having a business but to make money? And honestly, that's it. Like, yes, we want to all follow our passions, but in order to continue following your passions, you need to incorporate strategies that will make your business sustainable. And to be sustainable, you have to make products that sell. 
While I can't go into the boardrooms and brains of product developers and companies, I can look to public information about patents, which are often sought in order to protect a company's ideas for new products. And if we have any Shark Tank people out there, you know the sharks are always asking whether the entrepreneur has intellectual property. And as a patent lawyer, my heart breaks to see the staggering statistics of failed product development in the patent world. And honestly, I suspect that the failure might be for a lack of deference to the business's key stakeholders, the customer. So I'm going to get patentee for a second, but stay with me because the topics and techniques that I'm going to talk about in this episode are not limited to inventions that are patentable or physical products or something that you would normally think of as in the patent world. These questions apply really across the board, across all products. Did you know that 50% of U.S. patent applications are actually granted? Yeah, it's not easy to actually get your patent. And the only truly inventive inventions are patented in the first place. What does that mean exactly? There are some pretty rigorous standards in patent law. Actually, I'm going to be doing a separate podcast episode that is dedicated to patent law for business owners and people who may have inventions. I'm going to touch briefly on it, but basically in order to get your patent, you have to prove that your invention is new and non-obvious. And non-obvious is a technical term in patent law, but for this discussion, I'm just going to call it inventive. So what you need to show is that not only has nobody done the thing exactly that you're trying to patent, but also they haven't done anything close to it. They haven't done anything that with all the knowledge in the world, in the industry or the technology area that you're working in, with all of that available, it would be, quote, obvious for someone skilled to take that next step and invent what you invented. So you're trying to prove that essentially you invented it, it's super inventive, it's non-obvious to one skilled in the art. So they're pretty rigorous standards, but about 50% of patent applications are actually granted. And then once a patent is granted, it is shocking. Only 5% of those patents are actually ever licensed or commercialized as an actual product. Two and a half percent of all applied for patents are ever actually commercialized. Um, Where are all the products? A patent without a product is simply a very expensive piece of paper. And last I looked, the price tag for a patent is somewhere in the neighborhood of a minimum of $10,000 and upwards to, depending on how highly technical it is, you you could be looking at $30,000. Recently, Barbara Corcoran noted on her podcast she was talking to an individual who was pretty much burned by the patent system. What Barbara suggested is that patents essentially are not worth pursuing, and I will respectfully disagree on that point. I think that there are certain questions that an inventor or a business owner would need to first ask and answer before not filing a patent application. I think that in many cases they can be incredibly valuable. And I'm not just saying that from a patent standpoint. Yes, I'm a patent lawyer, but I appreciate the fact that 
they're very expensive. And what she points to is actually that if you're not willing to enforce your patent down the road, then what's the point of having it? To enforce your patent and to accuse someone else of infringing is extremely expensive. She's right about that. I mean, you're talking not just $10,000 for the patent, $30,000 for the patent, but $100,000 plus down the road more. I mean, hundreds of thousands. Litigation is no joke. So she's not wrong about that, but I still think that in some cases, patents are definitely worth pursuing. All this to say, I'm just wondering what teeny tiny percentage of non-patent pending inventions or products actually end up in the marketplace. So let's dive into how you can avoid being a statistic in this space. I have a few steps for making mindful and strategic decisions about developing great products that your customers will actually buy. One of the first steps that you really need to take is to get that idea out of your head and down onto paper. And personally, I will definitely recommend actually writing it down on paper, grab a notebook, grab a journal. You could do it online, but we're so inundated with online presence nowadays. And if you're anything like me, I sit in front of a computer eight hours a day at least. And so I love writing down my ideas. So first answer the question, what is the problem you're solving and how are you planning to solve it? And you might not have all the answers yet, but start anyway. Think about, would your product be a physical product or a digital one? Maybe both. Would it be a service offering? Describe it like this. My idea is blank and there you're going to fill in the, the item or service, just describe it, that does blank. Describe the function for blank. And then here you want to describe the population who is served by your product or the ultimate customer. And I can give you an example on this. I have a product myself and what it is is a fill in the blank journal for entrepreneurs to start a new business from scratch. It takes them from idea stage to business launch stage, and I've filled it with questions and prompts that will specifically get out the information that they need to have in order to start their business. It's kind of like answering the questions you didn't know you needed to ask. That's the goal of my journal. That's how I would do it. If your product idea is highly technical, write down some basic background information about the technology to help explain it. And this will come in handy if you're talking to potentially some family or friends or maybe a mentor or a teacher or any. if you're talking to anybody about your idea, they might need that background information, even though for you it's like obvious. So simply starting this process is gonna get your creative juices flowing and innovative thinking and evolution of your idea will just naturally follow. All right, the next thing I want you to write down is a list of all key product features and key benefits that come from the product's features. So what are the most important parts of your business idea that you would want a future customer to be aware of? Simply bullet point them. And this is definitely not a full product description. You're not going through all the specifications or anything. This would just be bullet pointed. For example, say you have a product sales page, it would be like right under the name of the product. Quality over quantity is definitely important here. Aim for three to five and definitely no more than 10. This initial list might evolve, it might change completely. Simplify it enough that you're not going to overwhelm a potential customer. 
And think of it like if there is a frequently asked question area on your website, like this would be answering the most frequently asked questions. I want to give you an example of a physical, a digital, and a service product. So as a physical would be maybe meal kits. So you would list out the key features. We have organic, vegan ingredients, locally sourced, balanced recipes for a healthy diet, that kind of thing. For maybe a digital app for getting people rides. Uber is easy to use, fast, safe, and iPhone compatible. Okay, if it's a service, say you're a dog walker, you can say that we have vetted background checks for all of our walkers and we will come by multiple times a day and we will offer dog treats included and waste bags. So just think of these like key features that you would want to include in your product. So that's step one, just write it down, get it out of your head and write down all the features. So the next big step in building your product and beta testing it is to start designing and building your prototypes. Describe the different ways that the product could be produced. So if it's a physical product, what are the materials that it will be made of and the dimensions? Are there different levels of quality that you're going to be looking at? For example, one of my products is a guided workbook for entrepreneurs to start a new business from scratch. My prototyping stage was essentially, I first created all of the content for my journal in the early stages, and I literally printed it off a printer and folded it and stapled it, and then tried to fill it out to see what it would feel like and you know how much space. So I learned some things from that. So if you're offering a digital product, you would want to answer questions like, what is the customer interface like? Map out the customer experience, kind of like a decision tree. What will they see when they first open your digital product? How do they sign up? How do they pay? What questions would the app be asking them when they log in? Think about what other permission you might need from the customer or what other features that you might need in order to get that product rolling. If you are looking at a service-based product, what kind of tiers could you offer? Think of price points, different price points. What would be included for each? Could you incorporate or like couple your services with a physical or digital product with say the elite or pro tier of your service in my example i'm going to be making a digital course teaching entrepreneurs how to take the steps of launching a business from scratch what i would love to do is couple that course with a copy of the workbook so that they can watch the videos listen take notes but actually fill out the workbook as they go through the course so think of this for your product idea and really go through and just write down as much as you can. Be, and you know, you're not married to any of it. Just start exploring and brainstorming. After you've started exploring the details and writing down the specification of your product, it is time to start building your product as cheap as possible at first. So start with drawings and be sure to label them. Write out your services descriptions in details and just be resourceful. Use your kids cardboard and glue to build a model version of your product. It can be super low quality, but what it does is help you visualize, literally tinker with the item and make changes where needed. And so an example that I have of this is that my husband and I one day were just like dreaming up new products and we had an idea for this product that we were gonna name One Runs, which we were also super excited about the name 
because we love to run and we, well, I'm from Ohio and he's from Georgia. So we've traveled quite a bit back and forth and we always bring our sneakers and our sneakers take up so much room in luggage and we love to just like have a backpack only when we travel. So with that as sort of like the background and like the problem we're trying to solve is how do you travel and be able to run wherever you go without having to carry around bulky sneakers. So what we came up with was One Runs, which would have been disposable running shoes. And the way that we were conceptualizing it was to have essentially like a thin rubber sole that would stick to the bottom of your foot and be, you know, have adhesive on it. And it would be sort of just the minimum level of protection that you could go running. And I mean, at a minimum, you could run on like a treadmill at a hotel or something. But if there were like really smooth sidewalks or a track that you could have access to, or heck, maybe the beach, you could run in these one runs. And so what we did to build our first prototype as cheaply as possible, so we took a pair of garden gloves and cut it to the shape of your foot. We had some like string and tape and we were like figuring out how it could loop around your toes to stay on, like that kind of thing. This is what I'm talking about. Just start anywhere. Sarah Blakely, for example, she invented Spanx which are these like control top tights that help smooth out any wrinkles and like underwear lines under women's clothing. The first prototypes that she made were by taking actual tights and cutting them and then making adjustments. And ultimately, if you're serious about your product and you get to a stage where you feel like really good about it and it's starting to work out and you've identified some of the kinks, you are going to need to go to someone to help. And this this is really across the board, except for maybe service-based products. But if you have a physical product, who's going to manufacture it? Who's going to make it for you? And with Sarah Blakely, you know, she ultimately went and found a manufacturer who manufactured her tights. And I have gone with my workbook, I had to find a local printer who helped me understand the issues with formatting and has printed it for me and I am like so close to having this thing out the door and it's so exciting but it's like miles away from what my first prototype was it was literally just stapled printer paper what you're doing is creating momentum and progress and step by step by step you're working through your product idea from and taking it out of your head and putting it onto the page and then into your hands So the next step is beta testing your minimum viable product. This is a concept from a book called The Lean Startup Method from Eric Ries. And what it does is it stresses the impact of learning in new product development. So you create a product that you can actually offer to customers and observe their response to it. Ask them questions, see what they actually do with this minimum viable product, and then go back and make changes, go back and continue building. The product that is a minimum viable product is not going to be your final product. This is sort of an early stage. There is a standard here, minimum viable. So, you know, you're not putting out something that's going to be absolutely embarrassing. And in my experience, when I've asked people for feedback on my minimum viable products, I let them know, hey, this is in development still. I'm working on it. That way they don't think that what you're giving them is like the final product for sale because at that point they might be disappointed. The benefit of using a minimum viable product is that you get the opportunity to learn about your customer's actual interest in the product without fully developing it. 
On one hand, if your product is really expensive to make or something that you would need special skills for, like writing software code, there are options that you can take like making a video in free or cheap video editing software, such as iMovie, to demonstrate if your product were built, what it would do. And an example of this is Dropbox. When the Dropbox creators were first talking to people about their idea of having a a software platform that would permit you to drag your files from device to device seamlessly using the cloud, apparently people didn't really understand it or they didn't see the value of it. And it was one of those situations where the customer didn't know that they had that problem. So if they were to simply do customer interviews and say, hey, what do you need in this space for managing your files? Their customers would have said nothing. But in fact, this is a solution that was extremely helpful to lots and lots of people, myself included. So what Dropbox did, instead of investing a ton of money in writing software to actually create this product and then potentially not have people want it, they made a video and basically showed like a desktop screen and were talking through the video saying how they were, okay, I made this file and now I've saved it to the desktop and I'm going to drag it into Dropbox and they, you know, are visually doing this on the video. And then they, you know, cut to another screen and say, here I am in the browser on a different computer or on the same and I click right here and here's the file. They demonstrate in this video the usefulness of the product. And they said that that actually got a ton of customer feedback and accolades and really gave them that that promise of commercial viability that enabled them to move forward and invest a ton of money to build the product. Once you have a few items made, analyzed, and updated, you might need to pay some money to create a version that is quality enough to put into the hands of actual people other than your family. What you're really trying to do here with your minimum viable product is to collect real customer feedback. The ways that you can collect customer feedback are as limitless as your imagination. As an example, what I did, or one of the ways that I collected customer feedback for my entrepreneur workbook is I created a free survey on SurveyMonkey and I found individuals via Reddit and you can find them on any online forum. You could go to an in-person event that has people you believe would be your, your ideal customer. I went to subreddits on Reddit that were related to entrepreneurship new business ideas, people seeking advice on how to start their business. These are the people that I believe are my ideal customers. So I went there and I basically engaged in conversation. I jumped into popular questions and gave answers. And of course, I first tried to give authentic value with the information that I have because nobody wants you to jump in and just immediately start advertising. And my goal wasn't necessarily to advertise anyway. I wanted to find customers who could give me feedback. I jumped in, I participated in some discussions, gave some feedback, and then where it made sense, I would say, hey, by the way, I'm a patent and business lawyer. I wrote a a guided journal to help entrepreneurs accomplish launching a business. Would you be interested in taking a look at it and in return, maybe filling out the survey for me? And I actually got 10 responses in like a week and I should probably go back and try to get more, but it was 
a lot of valuable advice, just in 10. And so the survey had 10 questions and I'm just looking at it right now. I can give you a couple examples. So the first question was, how useful would this fill in the blank workbook be for a new entrepreneur? And I've got some great feedback. One person said, an excellent exercise to capture ideas, moving from idea to understanding feasibility of implementation. And then someone else said, fairly useful. Sections like defining your product and understanding your market are the topic of other solid product books. So perhaps those sections were not all that helpful to me because I already have resources to go in depth on those topics. So the interesting thing there is that this person's feedback is telling me, okay, so they have these questions and they're extremely important to them, but there's other people out there answering them or already sufficiently doing it. So then I need to come back to my product and say, okay, what can I change to make it more valuable to somebody like that who feels like they already have all the answers they need? And one of the answers to that might be cut out those sections. You know, it just depends on what your what your product is. But what I'm trying to say is that You don't want to collect feedback that is just, oh, we love this product. It's so great. Don't change a thing. And that might be the kind of feedback that you get from friends and family. So you really want to get out there and talk to real people who will give it to you straight. And then you can go back and think critically about your product and what you might want to change about it. So another example question that I asked is, let's see. Would you add, remove, or change any of the content in the workbook? And so if you're collecting survey responses on your product, you would just tailor it to yours. Would you change any features? Would you add a feature? You just make it relevant for your own product. And of course, you don't want to take the feedback of just one person and change everything. You want to make sure that the changes that you're making to your prototype and to your ultimate product are still in line with your ultimate business vision and mission and the values of your business. And you also want to keep a sharp eye out for any comments that are duplicative, any comments that more than one person are seeming to focus on this one area. Those are like your goal and nuggets. So take that information to heart. And like I said in the beginning of this podcast, do not feel like married to your initial ideas. These are going to change. You want them to change. You want to be able to take your product idea and make it into something that is going to sell. Customer feedback is the way to know what's going to sell. Just to really hone in on this, what you're going to want to do after you receive this customer feedback is to tweak your product to meet the needs of your ideal customer. Incorporate it into your product design, make changes, and definitely don't take it personally if people don't like a feature that you really loved. It's a feedback loop. So you're going to, or it's like cyclical, you're going to collect some feedback and then go incorporate it and make tweaks, adjust your product, make it a little bit closer to its final version. And then you're going to want to go out again and get more feedback and then you're going to come back and you're going to do this back and forth not forever because perfection is not something we're aiming for here we're just aiming for viability the ability to look at the risks and say I'm going to make this product and I'm going to sell it and make a a balanced informed decision about the risks involved 
I have one important legal learning for you to consider as you're going through the steps of product development. Write down or mark any confidential details about the product that won't necessarily be outward facing or known to the customer. For example, if your product is an invention and you're planning to file a patent application, you're going to want to keep track of all details around the invention, how you came up with it, the data and information you have that supports and demonstrates that it works. This is information that may be confidential and before hiring a developer or manufacturer to make your product, you're going to want to ask them to sign a confidentiality agreement to protect your intellectual property. If you think you might have a patentable invention, talk to a patent attorney ASAP and don't put your invention out into the world until you've done so. You could lose your rights if you show or tell people about the invention before filing and there's no going back. So make sure that you are being mindful about what information may be confidential and keep it that way and protect it. Okay team, I'm going to walk through these steps one more time just to summarize in case you missed something. So in order to validate your product idea and build a product that your customer will actually buy, you want to take these steps. First, if you are in the very early stages of your business journey and you're wanting to transform your business idea into a physical or digital or service-based product, one of the first steps you need to take is to simply get that idea out of your head and put it onto the page. You need to start writing down the details. Answer questions such as what problem are you solving? How will you be solving it and who are you solving it for? Next, you need to make a list of all key product features and benefits that come from those product features. Write down as many as you can, but try to focus on three to five and no more than 10. The next step here is to design and build multiple prototype versions. Describe the different ways that the product might be produced. Write down the materials and dimensions. Think about the different tiers and different costs and price points. And when you're ready, start building your prototype as cheap as you can at first. This concept is called lean prototyping. So start with drawings, be resourceful, use your kids' school supplies, just start making something. And then that way you can build momentum, get your creative juices flowing, make some tweaks here and there, and then ultimately you can build your minimum viable product. Once you have a minimum viable product, you want to beta test it. Get out there and find your potential customers and get actual feedback from them. Give them an example of your minimum viable product and ask them questions and take their feedback to heart. Your job is to listen to them so that you can make a great product that sells. This is not a completely streamlined stepwise journey. There are times where you're gonna to wanna to take a step back and go back into the early stages of product development. You might even take your product idea and completely throw it out the window because based on customer feedback, you've decided to go in a slightly different direction. So don't limit yourself to your original idea and don't think that you have to follow these steps directly in order. You may need to repeat some of the steps so that when you are ready to put some actual money into creating your product to sell, you can feel confident that you have validated your product and that it is commercially viable and worth your money and time and resources moving forward. If any of this was useful to you, or if you're interested to learn more, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it or felt like you got any value, I would be so happy and honored if you could give me a review. That way my podcast can gain some traction and have some new followers and I can keep creating content for you.
Y'all, that was great. I'm really glad you gave my podcast a chance. And if you enjoyed any bit of it, I would love it if you would follow along on my business journey. In each episode, I'll take you through the steps that I've taken to transform my passion project into a business and share tips and tricks that I've learned in my legal career as they apply to my side hustle. So step away from your technology for a moment, grab a cup of coffee or tea, and cozy up with me to take meaningful steps towards launching the business you've always dreamed of. And don't worry about spending hours researching the legal and business side of things. That's what this podcast is for. All I need from you is a heartfelt dedication to your dream and a little bit of discipline for making it come true. All right. Talk soon. Bye.